the most annoying sound in the world? Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full-spectrum source for all things music insight and opinion. My name is Bill, and I'm joined with Connor and Steve. Greetings. Yo! How you guys doing this evening? Swell. I'm doing pretty good, can't complain. <laughs> Alright, great. So yeah, I mean, uh, what are we, a couple guys, South Jersey? Yeah. Trying to get a little insight on some music, maybe not your popular opinion, but at least a credible one. Um, so, uh, Bill, what's up with music news, bud? All right, well, for stars, we're going to hit this one heavy. We have the Blood on the Dance Floor vocalist, David Vanity, accused of rape and sexual assault by 21 women, 16 of which were underage. Is his real name David Vanity, or is that like a stage name? That's his stage name. His okay. real name is Jesus David Torres. Okay, well, uh, Vanity as a stage name. Mildly concerning. <laughs> well, um, he was exposed by the Huffington Post that he's had a documented long line of allegations, including incidents of forced oral sex, molestation, and rape. The first allegation dates back to 2007 when Vanity was investigated for an incident of forced oral sex with a 14-year-old when he was 22. See, so he's 22 and what? You said 07 was the first allegation? Yeah. This band forms in 06. So you figure they were active from 06 to 2016 and it's not until now that all these allegations are surfacing. So you essentially have a band that's going on tour with the idea of possible rape of an underage you know, child, essentially going on and it's just this band here they are touring for a decade yeah it, it's just crazy um crazy that a rock star would have to resort to this yeah, interesting that he chose to name his band after a michael jackson album yeah it's true too thriller um, is still one of the greatest albums of all time i don't care what you guys saw on netflix he made thriller he made thriller <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne postpones all 2019 gigs due to injury. His quote, I will be back. Um, yeah, man, recent injury. Ozzy Osbourne postponing all his dates in 2019. He was recovering from pneumonia. Um, and he also sustained an injury uh, from a near-fatal ATV accident that he actually re-injured. Um, that was an incident that dated back in 2003. But, yeah, he says he received surgery for the injury last month, and doctors are looking after him while he recovers. Um, yeah, I mean, his quote states here, I can't believe I have to reschedule more tour dates. Words cannot express how frustrated, angry, and depressed I am not to be able to tour right now. I'm grateful for the love and support I'm getting from my family, my band, friends, and fans. Really what's keeping me going. Just know that I am getting better every day. I will fully recover. I will fully finish my tour. I will be back. Well, it's also saying that since the show has been postponed until 2020, all the tickets will be honored for all the rescheduled gigs. Yeah, that's good. And uh, I'm not going to bore you guys with the details. Ollie's not worried about the money. No. no absolutely not. Not at all. 
back to Michael Jackson, for the record, there was a song called Scream by Michael and Janet Jackson from the late 90s, which was not the best. It wasn't horrible. I've heard worse from both. I love how we're getting off topic to try to trash a man who has essentially produced nothing but music gold over his history. Person aside, I'm guaranteeing there's probably 6 million people in this country as we speak listening to something off Thriller, whether it be on the radio or whether they're actually blasting it on their own accord. So 1 in 65 people in America are listening to Thriller right now? And this is just happens to be 427 Eastern Time on a... You know, Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Something's being blasted by Michael Jackson right now. And that'll happen until the year. Yeah, no, no shit. So Some, listen, somebody's listening to Michael topic, Jackson right now. Irrelevant topic at this point in time. Really Talking about one of the greatest albums of all time. Um, back to Ozzy Osbourne, dude. Well, I'm glad we got to see them in 2018. I mean, hopefully that wasn't his last tour the last time we were going to see him. I mean, I would like to see him again. Yeah, because that's also the concerning aspect when you think of these older musicians. You figure, you know, when Black Sabbath, like, you know, toured recently, um, even with, like, Guns N' Roses reuniting for the brief tour, even the Misfits, you know, that's another band that I'm a huge fan of when they did their reunion show at the uh, Prudential Center. That was an excellent opportunity because, I mean, that's 30 years in the making. But you think of all these bands that are getting older, that are eventually going to retire, you know, God forbid, even with, like, Tom Petty's sake, you know, die unexpectedly. You never know when that's going to be your last opportunity to see a recording artist such as, like, Ozzy Osbourne. Bigger young fans out there, I mean, there's people 14, 15 years old that I guarantee you blast Blizzard of Oz and even Paranoid, you know, that probably love Ozzy Osbourne that have no real clue of the history, but, hey, I would love to see Ozzy, and it's, you know, think of our time. We'll never have a chance to see Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, you know. We'll never Never have an opportunity to see Soundgarden now, you know. I, guess I got to see Soundgarden. Yeah, but I'm saying even like for people that want to go see these artists, I mean, unexpectedly, you're never going to be able to see them. No. You know? It's just it's a shame. I mean, he just turned 72. Ozzy did, so. Yeah. A lot of people, probably casual music fans, probably thought they would always have a chance for the next 20 years at yep. least to go see Tom Petty. Like, they probably thought we'll he'd be like... We'll see him next summer. Les yeah, Paul exactly. or something like that who played... Until he was like 95 and, yeah. you know what I mean, died. Yep. Talk about ticket sales, too. It's very easy to go see Ozzy Osbourne, especially economically. Oh, yeah. You know? I think we paid, what, like $25 for one? I think it was 18 Or 18 I think it was 18 It was something cheap. I think it was like 18 and then it was like 15 bucks to park. But then and you it was get money like, well spent. Yeah, then you get yeah. tickets announcements. Hey, uh, Rolling Stones are coming around. Do you want to spend $200 to go sit in the parking lot with a sleeping bag? Huh. I mean, it's, it's, it's a shame, dude. Yeah, All right, well, let's get into on this day in music history. Um, on this day, April 15th, 1966, Rolling Stones released Aftermath. The singles Speaking off that of album Stone. was Under My Thumb and Painted Black. Two of the best singles. Yeah, Under My I Thumb agree. is probably my favorite song by them. Um, also, another big single came out in 1974 when Leonard Skinner released their second album, Second Helping, Sweet Home Sweet Alabama. Home. I'm completely over Leonard Skinner. No. Well, that's because they dissed your boy, Neil Young. That's correct. <laughs> they dissed my boy, Neil Young, so they could harp on their racist crap. And <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't like that. All right. Um, Thriller's still the best album of all In 1982. Time. Oh, we're going off topic. <laughs> In 1982, Anvil released Metal on Metal. 
Metal, metal. Anvil was apparently a huge influence, influence to everybody. Okay. But everyone else got huge. Yeah, I do, I do remember that. Yeah, Not all Canadians can me. be winners like Neil Young. Or like Rush. YYZ, son. Fun fact. Uh, Neil Young was originally Rick James' bass player. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Well, I guess speaking of virtuosos... In 2017, Alan Holdsworth died. Very sad. Rest in peace to a legend. And uh, the last thing I got here that happened in 2016 was Metallica released their remastered Kill 'Em All and Ride the Lightning albums. Oh. Kill 'Em All is the jam. That's the sauce right there. Yeah, Ride the Lightning, though, man. By the lightning, this is the absolute staple, in my opinion, for all things Metallica. All right, well, that brings uh, that brings me to this, then. What do you consider to be their last good Metallica album? The last good Metallica Like, the album. last one they had before, you know, their commercial downfall, if you will. Uh, then that's easy. Load and reload. Well, I'm going to say that the snare drum on St. Anger was probably the greatest thing I've ever heard in my yeah. entire life. St. Anger didn't even... Like the that sold okay, but like yeah, fraction like load and reload were still like legitimate hits. Like they had big, they had yeah, there big was a tracks few big on ones. them. Like until it leaves fuel, obviously. Nothing. Well, like, nothing. Let's be honest here that we're talking about Metallica. Yes, right. They have the band even like with behind the music. A lot of people were buying this album because they look at the back of that vinyl for Kill 'Em All. Like here's a bunch of dudes that aren't wearing makeup and looking super homosexual. So they actually bought the album because here's a thrash band coming out in an era where that music and would go back to Anvil. You know, that kind of yeah. started the scene. You had Judas Priest that was really big at the time. Black Sabbath started a whole new wave of music in that metal genre. I mean, even bands like Slayer are being produced. I mean, this is obviously before Megadeth, but here comes Kill Em All. You know, and like, if you think of the standard of Metallica between those first four albums, I'm going to say that Injustice for All was their last good album yeah, okay. as a Metallica band. Injustice... Then you woke up. The black album was easily the last good. Yeah, album. it's good. It's it's not original style Metallica, but you, it's still good. If you can listen to the black album and give me one bad song, I'll take it all back. I'll take it all back. Last like a bad song. Yeah, on the bad black song. album. Bad song on the black album. It can have one or two bad songs. Don't but try it's, all day. It's still got a lot yeah, of good okay. ones. Listen, man, you put any. All right, let's take um radio classic. Yeah, but let's let's do this, okay? You have to understand that between Injustice for All, even going back to Master of Puppets, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, here's albums with essentially eight or nine songs on them. Okay, between even Ride the Lightning, they had the same structure format with a title track and track two, as well as an instrumental either the last or second to last song. Then the Black Album comes out with twelve songs. You put any one of those nine songs, you pick the best nine songs off the Black Album and put it against any nine songs between Kill 'Em All and Injustice for All, you will not find a better song off the Black Album than any of the other four. That's a stretch. Mm, yeah, that's a bit of a stretch. Okay, yeah. pick a song off the Black Album and put it better. The only song I can honestly put out there is Escape off of Ride the Lightning. Yeah, that's probably my least favorite song. Escape was trash. Absolutely. I don't know. Um, Let's see. Enter Sandman, Sad But True, Holier Than Thou. Maybe not the Unforgiven or wherever I may roam. Don't tread on me through the never. Maybe not nothing else matters. A Wolf and Man, The God That Failed, My Friend of Misery, Struggle Within. Okay. Just name a few. Okay. But again, if you look at Phantom Lord. Phantom Lord's phenomenal. 
That song is absolutely incredible. That's probably one of my favorite songs on Kill Em All, actually. This song's excellent. I feel like with the Black Album... Not the biggest Metallica fan, but... (laughs) I feel like with the Black Album, they came into their whole... Like, as like a collective unit. They had the perfect production for it. They had the perfect songwriting. And none of the songs have over a minute 20 intro before the vocals start. What did you want for Metallica, though? You want them to, like, make 30-minute-long fucking thrash songs where it just keeps getting more and more ridiculous? Do you want them to keep making the same thing? Like, they just did something different. They kept moving on the track. I just think it was a real change of pace because you figure, and I'll say this, like, if we talk about every band and opinion, I have a personal favorite as well as identifying, like, their best work. I'm going to stand out there and say Master Puppets is their best work. Yeah. Ride the Lightning's my personal favorite. But then that's the idea that sets with Metallica as a whole. I have this idea with Metallica. You figure Kill 'Em All comes out. You know what I mean? 1983. 1983. Like, what's going on in 1983? Van Halen released. Exodus. I mean, I mean yeah. Exodus existed. I mean, but yeah, Exodus were like, well, that's another topic we can yeah. get into as well. They <laughs> should have been in the big four, man. They're just another band. But here's the same thing. Is you figure the way Metallica grew from Kill 'Em All to Ride the Lightning to Master of Puppets. That was like a sincere step in progression, but that's also featuring Cliff Burton on everything. Danny and Justice comes out, and that's one of the most aggressive thrash albums of the entire 80s. Which album? I'm sorry. Injustice for All. Injustice okay. for All. But that's also with Newstead, so it was a little change of pace, but they were still on par with that heavy thrash. Well, it that... didn't matter because well, you couldn't yeah, hear them anyway. It didn't matter, yeah. Well, yeah, you got to get the uh, extra bass out of the mist. I'm just talking about the idea of losing somebody like Cliff Burton in the band. Yeah, but honestly, you know, not for nothing, I feel like after Cliff Burton, they started to get into the commercial outlet. Exactly, commercial. There's, I mean, I know this is radio mainstream, mainstream? yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's not that bad. I listen to Butt Rock. I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't listen to the Black Album regularly because I've heard it a thousand times on the radio. But, but you're going to tell me if you have the opportunity, you're going to a store, you have enough money to buy one CD, and it's between Kill 'Em All through the Black Album. I don't even own the Black Album, and I do own Kill 'Em All through everything before the Black Album. Makes sense. But <laughs> I own them all. I'd probably buy S&M. Out of all of them, you buy S&M? You buy S&M before the Black Album? You had an opportunity to buy an original I, vinyl from its original release date, signed by, let's say, all members, like an actual... Yeah, but if I had that kind of money, I just, I, I don't know what I would do. You, only, I you wouldn't can only buy, buy a vinyl. One. You can only <laughs> buy one. You're buying S&M? Is it signed? Oh, yeah. Sure, I'd buy S&M. Out of any Metallica of any album Metallica signed? Album. They're all worth about the same. No. And plus, they're coming out with an S&M, too. <laughs> Really? Yes. Yeah, I heard about that. Too. Yep, same same symphony or orchestra or whatever. They're doing the whole thing over again. What was the hit off SNM? It was all there. It was like a greatest it was, hit. Uh, it, was it, was an yeah. it was the orchestra. I knew it was, it was their the orchestra, but... I mean, don't get me wrong. That, I mean, it was a cool take on Metallica, but dude, it's just the idea I have of Metallica. It's the same thing why I like bands like Motorhead and you know Slayer, like not losing the idea of what they were doing. But here's the thing about Metallica. They got more innovative as musicians as each album went on. You figure Kill 'Em All is basically just simplistic thrash. There wasn't anything crazy to it. I mean, a lot of good leads off of Kirk. I mean, most of them were written by Mustaine. But then Ride the Lightning comes in with like Fade to Black. Think about hearing Fade to Black for the first time from a band that you just got familiar with from Kill 'Em All. And even think before that, but when it was Metal Up My Ass. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that whole idea of that band, and then you hear Fade to Black come out and then Call of Cthulhu. 
And granted, again, that was written by the same. But yeah, but that, that's the thing, though. It's almost like you can't even count Kill Them All. Because that's basically pre-Megadeth. You have to think of it this way. After Kill Them All, nothing sounded the same way ever again. Even them playing it live doesn't sound like it. It was all Dave Mustaine written songs. Yeah, they really did fuck Dave Mustaine over. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, Dave Mustaine, in, in the ten seconds I encountered with him... Mm-hmm. But probably the most confident motherfucker I ever met in my life. Like, the motherfucker just admitted, I'm the fucking shit. I am happy. I am fucking good. Good Fuck everything else. Like, we are straight here. The fact that you can put, like, I mean, obviously the story is as it is. We weren't obviously there. But the idea that he got put into Metallica just based on his setup. Yeah. I mean, come on, dude. And the funny thing about it was, it wasn't even like that was for show. He can actually play. He's one of the best metal guitars. Oh, guitar. I, de- I agree yeah. that Dave Mustaine is a better guitar player than Kirk Hammond. Yeah. Hands I, down. I believe so as well, yeah. Hands down. It's, I don't, I don't know. There's something with Metallica, though, that even, like, like you can't, like, Kirk Hammett or uh, Dave Mustaine wrote Kill Em All and a good portion of Ride the Lightning, but, um... We all say Master of Puppets is the undisputed the quintessential, best quintessential yeah. Metallica album. It's the quintessential and that's, album. And yeah. that's not Dave Mustaine at all, yeah. is he it? He had zero influence Yeah, on so, I mean, there's something about Dave Mustaine where he might be a better, like, technical guitar player or something on Metallica, but the, the, the Kirk and uh, James and Metallica definitely are stronger writers. For well, sure. And, and like, not to get totally off topic with the idea of talking about Metallica, but like bringing up Megadeth, for instance, it's it's so rare and it's almost like a hipster thing to it's not like. Too off topic. It kind of is because we're talking about these albums. Mm-hmm. We're trying to keep it on these albums, but when we talk about Megadeth being that other band part of the Big Four and being almost like you know I'm better than you type attitude, like that's I mean you gotta understand Megadeth was like a spiteful band. If you want to admit it or not, it's a spiteful opportunity to make a band and I'm going to outshine and I'm just going to play heavier. I mean, the mechanics alone. You're going to keep the mechanics. I understand you wrote that. Metallica made it the Four Horsemen, but the fact you're going to release an album called Killing Is My Business, while Metallica's got an album called Kill Em All, and you're going to keep the mechanics, which is literally the same song without that, you know, slow part. Yep. You know, and you just speed it up. Like, you're just trying to outdo Metallica. But it's weird because you get a hipster community sense when you find somebody who's like, yo, I like Megadeth better than Metallica. Yeah. I'd Don't get me wrong. He sells <laughs> a phenomenal album. Rust in Peace, absolutely great. But on a whole, Metallica's better, dude. Oh, Although yeah. You gotta, you can't say that, but going back. Well, hold on. It's fu- uh, it's funny that uh, you mentioned the Kill them all versus killing is my business. Rockers in the 80s just loved uh, calling each other out with the album titles. You, you had Smile yeah, and OU812. Yeah, yeah, dude. That's funny. <laughs> That's so I think right now is a good time to take a break and get a word from our sponsors. Hey, everybody. Bill here. Letting you know if Rage Against the Mainstream podcast is self-funded. This break for a sponsor is where you might hear your advertisement. We are open and available for new investment opportunities. Just like a small business, we could rely on various sponsors to keep this podcast weekly and free. If there is any interest you might have to support and grow our podcast, please inquire at ratmpodcast at gmail.com. And again, ratmpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for your support. Let's get back to the show. And we're back. 
now we're going to get into the uh, topic of which album was their last good one. And the band we're referring to, of course, is the Mighty Metallica. Right. Obviously, I think we can all come to the consensus that Master is like their masterpiece, essentially. Yeah. I mean, I I would disagree, and I would say Injustice for All is like the the album. So you're I'll gonna take say Master? Yeah, I would take Master as well. Yeah. Yeah, because if I'm gonna show somebody Metallica, you think of the songs on Master, just the, just the title track. That's I, the one song, eight minutes long. I mean, you're gonna show to somebody, and it's just the masterpiece all the way through the entire song. From a listener standpoint, too. Um, Master Puppets like sounds better. The production on Injustice for All is like a little thinner or something. I feel. Well, like. that's where I like Injustice for All better, because so I feel like the production on Injustice for All is like insane. Well, the problem is too is when one made it on Guitar Hero, that almost like killed Metallica for that sense. Because then you had all that's these true. fans of like, oh, I love Metallica. What's your favorite song? One. What's your next favorite song? Two. Two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, why don't you start us off then with what you think is the last good one? So I'm going to say the last good album by Metallica, and my version of Metallica, which is a great 80s thrash band, is Injustice for All. Okay, now, why don't you give us some background on it? So, I mean, Injustice for All, you figure that's the last album to follow that structure, right? You got the opening track, okay, is Blackened. You know, builds up, it's heavy, the same way like Fight Fire with Fire was, the same way Battery was, all these build up tracks to like this heavy, really and the funny thing is Aunt Just Sprawl going to like that political side was like a huge different twist for these guys. And That's it was true. very yes. interesting in what they were saying. But here's the thing. The second track, then you go to the title tracks. Each album, at least Ride the Lightning through Injustice Sprawl, all had that heavy, really constructed title track. Yep. And Justice Sprawl, phenomenal song. But then even every other track on there, like Freight and Sanity, Harvest, Sorrow, even To Live Is To Die, like the instrumental To Live Is To Die, that's my favorite instrumental of all three of those albums. Like Ride the Lightning being my favorite, I think it's better than Call of Cthulhu, I think it's better than Orion, that instrumental. And then the way it ends with Dyer's Eve, Yeah. I mean the whole album, nine tracks all the way through, I could put on Injustice for All and listen to it front to back non-stop like it never gets old you're also forgetting the shortest straw but yeah I'm, I'm just mentioning like brief songs in there that get overlooked from time to time even eye of the beholder i mean same thing with ride the lightning you know tracks like trapped under ice i mean escape i could do without escape mm-hmm. you know what i mean but even you know think, think about ride the lightning for whom the bell tolls you know trapped under ice fade to black you know yeah. even the title track ride the lightning that still had the huge david stain influence but at this point and just fall we're separating from all of that you know, Cliff Burton, you know, rest in peace at this point. Um, James, you know, Jason Newstead coming in here, I mean, even though that his bass parts were tuned down, it's still the idea of the songs that they were able to construct. The one through nine, that entire album is phenomenal. But that's why I say it stopped there. Because I feel like the Black Album, and you mentioned this with the commercial idea, that's where they came into the sense that they were adjusting to now, here we are in the 90s. All right, you figure bands that are coming out now, like the whole grunge scene is making a move. The whole alternative scene is making a move. Metallica's writing more so songs that they know are going to make it on the radio, that are going to still be relevant for the times. They went from like a thrash band to more so of a hard rock band. Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like they even went, they were even heavier in the Black Album. No. As, as like a, um. I don't feel that way. Like a physicality type thing. All right, so like, you, you tell us. More then, groovy. Right? So you tell us then. Your last, and you don't even have to say black album. You can go all the way to load and reload. You can, you know, okay. if you want. I mean, you can go to saying. I would take load and reload as Metallica's last good effort. 
Like so, it's it's not a phenomenal effort by any means. It's, it's still good though. But you have to think like it came five years after the Black Album. They reestablished their dominance on like radio and every touring. Like they solidified themselves. Even you could say at that point in time as like one of the biggest acts of all time. And then you had Sane Anger after it, which everyone knows was not good. And if Load and Reload were so bad, then no one would have even cared about Sane Anger because they would have been irrelevant for 10 years at that point. It no, would have just been, you know what I mean? Anger, though, it's not even so like they were so upset because you had two other albums that were decent enough. And now here we are. I think Sane Anger was like the final straw. I think after Injustice, final Roll, straw on a decline for exactly. sure. So that's yes. what I'm saying. Like it was the was point where they the snapping point of like what the fuck. It was the doing. point where they reached an un, an intolerable level. Like I'm madly in anger with you. Think about <laughs> think about. All right, so you have to understand. Low comes out in '96, right? The snare. Yeah. Slayer released a cover album in '96, Undisputed Attitude, all punk covers, right? So here's another band part of that big four. Right before that, 94, they released Divine Intervention. Slayer still puts out good stuff. That's what I'm saying, but here's yeah. a band that remained consistent. Part of that big four, you figure they start with Show No Mercy in 83, and in 96, as opposed to going the way Metallica went, they're releasing a cover album of like 80s hardcore. Yeah, they never yeah. they never went nearly as mainstream as Metallica. That's, yeah, not even a question. Yeah, and it, but, but here's the thing about Slayer, though. I mean, Slayer's up there in the same way as being a household name. Well, it's it's almost like battle. you could probably say, or I could say that Metallica is like Led Zeppelin, and Slayer is kind of like Black Sabbath, where like Led Zeppelin had tons of hits, and you know they're really good, but the other one is just dirtier and didn't care as much about being commercial and whatnot. Yeah, but most, you can also say too. I mean, relevant fans. I mean, there are a lot of fans who will say I like Led Zeppelin as well as Black Sabbath, the same way with Metallica and Slayer. But you know, yeah, exactly. It's just going the difference. Like I said, I mean, I think, I think once they hit the Black album, it really separated from the idea of what Metallica was presenting when they started with Kill 'Em All. Well, the Beatles started as a skiffle group. Well, first of all, I hate the Beatles. Yeah, put I'm kind of over the Beatles. That's a, that's yeah, a, that's I a, put that way out that's there. a, uh, that's a whole different thing. Like, forgive but, us if there's Yeah, but it's the evolution Beatles. of music, though. Exactly. Music evolves. Metallica evolved for better and or even worse. And even a prime example of evolution besides or Metallica worse. would probably be even Foo Fighters. Like, look at self-title versus Concrete and Gold. It's like an entirely different band. Yeah. Entirely different band, and I think I think that Metallica got hardened. They realized what their strong suits were. Even Black Sabbath. Go yeah. take a look at uh, the first Black Sabbath record, and then go listen to Technical Ecstasy or Never Say Die. They're they're a lot different. But I feel like with the Black album, they found out what worked. They found out what didn't, and they just made a full blown in your face metal album, not hard rock album, Steve. A metal album. What, the Black Album? Yeah. Uh, I would agree with Steve on that one, that I think Black Album is more... Uh, if you're going to... I guess I could hear the metal argument, if because some people would call Judas Priest like metal. That's heavy metal, yeah. And uh, just, like, like even like you got another thing... Com you ain't got another thing coming or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
The Black Album is certainly not thrash. So yeah, here's no, 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 no. I'm not claiming yeah. thrash at all. Okay, but here's what I'm even going to say. Like, I don't use Wikipedia to say the be-all, end-all, but I do use it as a relevant site to say, hey, like, this is where I can get basic information, and if I want to believe in it before I do so, I'm going to find out further information. But Wikipedia, you go through Kill 'Em All, Ride the Lightning, all right, Master of Puppets, genre, thrash metal. Once you hit Injustice for All... For genre, thrash metal, progressive metal. I can understand that because there's a lot more technicality yeah. going on. But then, boom, you hit Metallica, 1991, August. Heavy metal. Heavy metal. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no more thrash. There's no more, you know, we're going to go and stand our backs to well, yeah. Crow and present this whole scene for the angry teenager who doesn't want to wear makeup and tease their hair. You know, and then even go load hard rock, heavy metal, alternative metal. Like, it's not why was alternative metal. Well, because Tool's more of a progressive metal type deal. Yeah, but, but we're not going to get on the topic. We're not going to get on the topic of that. We're not going to fall down that rabbit. But I'm just saying, <laughs> we're saying August the '91. I get it. August of '91, music's totally changed at that point. Oh, 100 percent. Never mind. Drops out a month later. So music's about to totally turn in a different sense. Yeah, but even let's go, let's even go through like selling and whatnot. Okay. Yeah. Like the album, the black album was 16 times platinum as of 2012. And it is one of the best selling albums ever. Okay. I mean. Yeah, it even outsold the mighty uh, grunge albums of 91, Nevermind and 10. Yeah, but also I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, it's obviously the year 1991. I mean, that was probably the last true era of that 90s era of, like, actually purchasing CDs and being able to, like, yeah. recognize billboard charts and things of that nature. The, the introduction of SoundScan was yeah. in 1991, which yeah. was the actual counting of the actual number of albums sold in the 80s yeah, and you 70s. Figure, you know, they just guessed pretty much. Yeah, kids ain't putting aids on their computer with LimeWire and CrossWire yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I remember, like, going out there. You could tape stuff, but yeah. you pretty much had to have a copy of it to tape it, exactly. so someone had, had to buy it. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's put it this way. The Black Album was still on the Billboard chart until 1996, Okay. five, uh, five years after the album was put out. Okay. That just shows you how good of an album it was. And, and like I said, I'm not, debating, I'm not yeah. debating that it's a good album or not. I mean, personally, me, we are. I can't. Yeah, but I'm not saying like I get on paper. You don't like album. the Black Album. I didn't say that I didn't like the Black Album. But, but we're, we're asking band as a Metallica band, what I like about Metallica, I won't say that that's their last good album. It stopped that injustice for all. To me, the Black Album is like the Back in Black of the '90s, and I hate Back in Black. <laughs> I think I don't like Back in Black. I think that everything much? with Brian Johnson. You don't shoot right. the thrill. Yeah. Hell's Bells. Hell's Bells is like maybe back the only acceptable song. Dude, Bon Scott was ACDC the same way Paul Deanna was Iron Maiden. Same right. way Dave Mustaine was Metallica, apparently, according Not to Not even close. Not and even William close, Goldsmith dude. was Food Fighters. I'm a huge Exodus fan. I would have loved to have seen what would have happened there. I mean, if I was in a different world, I would have kept Dave Mustaine and Metallica, and I would have saw what Exodus did with Kirk Hammett. Yeah, then we would be talking about Black Album. I mean, either way, dude, it's just there was a different sound I was expecting from that band. I mean, get it. I, I grew up in a time where, obviously, 1991... I mean, that's when the Black Album dropped. Everything I've listened to and what I became fans of, I had to go back and understand. I wasn't there in the times when this music was coming out. But I couldn't imagine 
being in my prime in the 80s when Kill 'Em All drops, and I gotta watch the progression of Metallica go through Kill 'Em All to And Justice for All, and then I'm waiting for August of 91 for a new Metallica album to drop after I just got done loving for three years And Justice for All, and boom, the Black album smacks me in the face with, you know, well, what do you think is the last good Metallica album, Connor? The last good effort by Metallica was the combined efforts of Load and Reload in my book. Because, like I said well before, if I the Saint Anger argument, like no yeah. one would have cared about Saint Anger sucking if Load and Reload sucked that bad. Well, I mean, let's put it, it this takes way. time. Hardwired to Self Destruct was Metallica's sixth album to reach number one. Like, week. yeah. So they were still like, if if Load and Reload. Which were what six or seven years earlier than Saint Anger? Yeah, I think. Um, well, I think uh, Load came out in 1994. Nah, I think it was later than that. I think it was like 96 or 97. What? Load and Reload. Load came out in 96. Reload came out in 97. But they were yeah. Right. Okay. It's supposed to be a dual album. Yeah, sure. and then Saint Anger was 02 or 03. Mm-hmm. So. If Load and Reload were so bad, then nobody would have cared about, by yearbook, Metallica being good since 1988. And and that's the problem because even after St. Anger, you have to understand because it was so devastating, people were still even disappointed when Death Magnet came out. That was like, what, like nine years later? It's, It's the simple fact that every single time a band that has already set themselves on a pedestal potentially release good music, you're going to be disappointed if it's not up to your standards. The fact that people, you know, on paper, yeah, the Black Album sold. It was a great album for, you know, standards, you know, based on Billboard Trust and Sales. But I'm telling you, if I was born... Five years, the, by the way. Either way, if I was born, and I, like I said, I wasn't behind during Hill and Mold era, and I had watched the Black Album come out, and now I'm like, you know, what? Am I been, at this point? Yeah, I can yeah, understand that. I'm like an alternative fan, and we- Weezer's... Declined into yeah, I mean, complete know, shit think, has been yeah, has killed all of Weezer for me. Because we go back to talking about Megadeth as well. You figure <laughs> September twenty fourth, nineteen ninety is when Rust and Peace dropped. So we're talking a, a year before the Black Album, and Rust and Peace is it's a great album. Yeah, it's a great album, dude. I mean, there's so many songs on, but it's funny. And then Pantera was coming out, so yeah, yeah. Pantera was still doing amazing stuff. And then at the same exact time, I think Megadeth like wanted to follow suit with like that change of sound because then in 92 they released Countdown to Extinction. Yeah, but I still think Countdown to Extinction is a good album I too. think that's the Black Album of Megadeth. Same thing. Okay. I mean, I take So Far, So Good, So What Out and I'm going to say those first three albums, you know, when it comes to Killing Is My Business, Peace Sells and Rust in Peace is like up there in the sense of like what Metallica was doing with Kill Em All, Ride the Lightning, Master, as well as Injustice for All. I mean, so far, so good. What? I kinda... It's still somewhat of a step down from Metallica. Of course, it, it's almost, I agree. It's almost like, you I know, agree. in Seinfeld with, like, the, the bizarro world of, like, Jerry and Kramer, like, the whole bizarro world concept. Like, they're like them, but it's just not right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Elaine just didn't fit in. Like, <laughs> Megadeth is my bizarro world. Dude. Like, I'll listen to it, and there's some good attributes, but it's not It's not the same as Metallica. It's really centered around, you know, you know what Dave Mustaine can produce on his guitar. Yeah, and he's good at doing that. Yeah, he's good at I producing things wrong. on his I mean, guitar. The, the musicianship yeah. in Rust in Peace as well as Peace Cells is, is phenomenal. But again, front to back, it's not going to stand against any Metallica album, I don't think. Um, 
But again, I mean, you have to think it's 1991. I mean, a month before Nevermind, and we also know Nevermind didn't get even really huge until after the record sales during Christmas. So it knocked Michael Jackson off the top of the charts. It did knock Michael Jackson off. Well, I do. Uh, and then Garth Brooks strikes back. Came out, the chain came out in 1990, right? Yes, and, and also yeah. came out before that as well. Um, Soundgarden got nominated for a Grammy for Louder Than Love in like 89, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going Metallica on. Metallica could know. have possibly have seen the changes. And, I mean, they got Bob Rock. The dude's a fucking hit machine. That's what he does. Yeah, but look at the bands that he has. That yeah. has something to do with it. I mean, Motley Crue, Bon Jovi. Okay, hold on. Now I we're hate the Bob Bon Jovi. I'm just saying, for the, the Bob Rock to be. Let's, you know, let's think just... about the difference between, like, Theater of Pain... And then Dr. Feelgood from Motley Crue. Okay. Yeah, it's a natural tendency for bands as they get older to soften up a bit. Sure, surely not all bands do that. Like, you have your Slayers and whoever the hell else. But, I mean, most bands, I feel like it's softer as they it's go on. Yeah. It's an evolution of music. You, can't, you can never stop it. Like, you Led Zeppelin would have never done Fool in the Rain or All My Love on... Zeppelin too. Yeah, but you have to understand, there's certain bands out there that are still relative and still have a strong fan base, whether it be on the radio or not, okay? Because, again, this is the whole mainstream concept. Slayer never changed their sound. I mean, there are bad albums by Slayer. Like, I'm not a huge fan of World Painted Red. I'm not a huge fan of Christ Illusion. Um, you know, but even Motorhead. Like, Motorhead's another band that consistently put out the same music, and people will say it's repetitive, but at the same time, it's enjoyable. Well, they're like, they're like, I always make the argument that bands like that are like the Ramones and ACDCs yeah. of their genre. Yeah. They came in at the beginning of their genre, they do what they do well, and That's they don't rock the boat with their own boat thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, too, like, I mean, a lot of these songs get produced for the idea that it will create kind of a, an anthem base. I mean, you think about when bands go out and play live and they're creating their set list. Unless it's a tour promoting the album, they got to go out there and produce a set list that's going to be fan base appealing. So, of course, you're going to hear probably Wherever I May Roam. I mean, even Enter Sandman, the most that's up there with Stairway to Heaven and Sweet Home Alabama being overplayed music. But you might hear it, you know what I mean? Because you know that there's going to be a huge group of fans that aren't so in-depth with how they like this band, but they like that song. So you're going to appeal oh, to that awesome factor. song. But when you start losing the sense of you're writing music for what you believe in to what other people will enjoy, you have to ask yourself, what did you get in the music for in the first place? Well, for the art or for the money? So we're going to sit here and say then that, Connor, you believe that Load and Reload were the last best efforts in Metallica. Not best efforts, but last good efforts. Last decent, like, La like yeah. at least something to listen something, to. Something, if you're a Metallica fan, it was worth buying. It was the last thing you could believe in. The myth has it that James Hetfield said the word, yeah, 86 times in Reload Alone. Have you heard this? Have you seen this? Yeah! Uh, it's I mean, do you like White Zombie? Ooh, I love White Zombie. Rob Zombie also says yeah quite a bit in I his I don't like tunes. Rob Zombie solo shit. What? What? Hellbilly Deluxe. Not a huge Sinister fan of Rob Zombie's, but, but Lost Exorcisto. That's another thing you figure what? in the 90s. Lost Exorcisto by White Zombie. What about it? That came out in the 90s. Right around the time that the Black Album came yeah, out. Yeah, but you have the right White Zombie was going on for a while before that. They, they, I mean, like, if you're going to cry about uh, Black or the Black Album being like a commercialization of Metallica, then if you listen to their the White Zombie's 80s stuff, then White Zombie went in it. 
they the the spectrum that they closed in on coming from such radical music to uh like uh thunder kiss 65 is which is a great song in my book but like i mean they started off playing shows with like sonic youth and like swans in new york and stuff that white zombie as a band didn't release their first actual studio effort prior to eps uh well yeah they were they were an ep yeah they were all eps but soul crush comes out in 87 but Right after that, their next release. I mean, you gotta understand they had two EBs in between. 1992 is when Lost Exorcist comes out. Mm-hmm. So you figure Metallica is releasing the Black Album. Here's White Zombie releasing Lost Exorcist. What songs are on that? Thunder Kiss, Black Sunshine, yeah. Welcome to Planet Motherfucker. You know, Lost Exorcist. Uh, what was the name of the album uh, with More Human Than Human on it? Like Astro Creep. Astro Creep 2000. Yeah, yeah. And then that comes out in '95. I mean, you have to think, there's other stuff going on here. But this is the thing we also have to be mindful of. Not only was it becoming that alternative scene with grunge and stuff, think about yeah. bands like Corn coming out. Yeah, like... Yeah, but I think I think it's a little bit... More Human Than ahead. Human definitely had a lot more, like, mainstream alternative rock sounds injected yes. into it than the stuff on Lost Exorcist, though. Um, but it's, it's interesting that Metallica chose to not do anything, really, in the grunge era. They kind of waited that out, and yeah. they resurfaced after I it was kind of done. Yeah, well, part. they dropped uh, what that time. But then also oh, yeah, too, you figure, yeah, that you, fit in the time. You figure the way Metallica, Megadeth, and like those bands that are getting a lot more notoriety are progressing. You know, in a sense where a lot of people and like we're debating it now that they kind of went on a downhill slope towards you know losing touch with like what they were writing music. Think about bands like Pantera that are doing stuff around the same time. Alright, they come out with Metal Magic in 83, Projects in the Jungle 84, I Am the... Dude, the Power Metal album was released in 88. The Power Metal album. Yeah, it's you crazy. You about Pantera, does anybody even really listen to that album? Pantera I, was around, like, they came out basically, like, they were kind of, like, doing their things, like, in the same steps as, like, Nirvana yeah. was. Like, they were, but, like, their first album was 88, Nirvana's was 89, then yeah. their next album was like 90, Nirvana was 91. Boys yeah. from Hell. It's, so, yeah. funny. That's why it's yeah. so funny that Power Metal comes out in 88, because if anybody's not familiar with that album, if you go put on Power Metal by Pantera, it's not the same and then Pantera. play their very next album, which is the most known being Cowboys from Hell that came out in 1990, you wouldn't even think it was the same band. With, no, without Pantera, metal, metal probably would have just... Fall on yeah, yeah. ass because Metallica, Metallica was, wasn't carrying yeah. that. Uh, and Slayer never got played on the radio. Anthrax never really got played on the radio except for Bring the Noise. Maybe. And then you figure, yeah, like Pantera, mm-hmm. 1992, Vulgar Display comes out. Yeah, I mean, and that, and they just kept going and becoming better. Well, yeah, and they were Great they were super Hill, good, yeah. but they still had hits. I think we're getting a little off topic here at Pantera. We could talk all. Day well, it's it's in the context of Metallica and when they were releasing stuff. Yeah, but what else was happening during that yeah. time for them mm. to say like, okay, this is what we're gonna do now? Because I would love if they like ever came out and they were just sincerely put on the stand without the idea of having to worry about being misquoted or whatever the case may be. Like, what really caused that change of weight? Like, I couldn't imagine sitting in the studio and having a mindset of writing songs like Fade to Black, you know, Sanitarium, One, or even, you know, Fight Fire with Fire, Battery, and, you know, Blacken, and then I go in the studio and I'm writing songs like, you know, The Unforgiven. You know, writing songs like... Yeah, but you're also talking about, like, five or six years of... You also have to think, when they wrote the songs off the first three albums, they were like... Lifetime to write them. Yeah, they were... 
kids that didn't have shit to do, didn't have any money, and then after Injustice for All, they were multi-millionaires. They also you know? say that your first album, you have your whole life to write your first album. Yeah. Yeah. But, however, I do feel like as Metallica progressed, their songs got better. In my opinion, I despise Kill 'Em All. I do not think it's a good album at all. You don't think period. it's a good album? No. I do not you think like it's garbage. It. I don't think it's garbage, but I don't think there's any good song on there. Why? If a Kill 'em all song comes on. If a song from Kill 'em all comes on on my phone, I click skip. Seek and destroy. Skip. Why? Four horsemen. Skip. I think Metal no Militia remorse. Metal Militia yeah. or Jump in the Fire are like my no go to remorse, dude. Yeah. No remorse? Not a giant fan. Hit the light side. Dude, Phantom Lord? Phantom Lord. Not a giant fan. Like I said, I got an unpopular Your credibility is shot, dude. Yeah, dude. Because here's the dude. thing. Fill them all, man. Can't, and this is the problem. Like, I talk to a lot of people, and I remember even being in high school. You remember, like, Amir, for instance. Yeah. I would try to show him an album, be like, yo, check out this album. When did it come out with his first question? And because a band released an album in 86, 84, yeah, and it was the hardcore scene of the modern 2000s, they don't even want to give it a chance. So that's the thing that scares you is because, you know, you listen to Metallica and production value, James Hetfield's vocals, just the style of music at that point. Now, if that was re-recorded, reproduced, and remastered, like let's say Injustice for All era, that 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 album stands up there with anything else. Every song on that album is very good. It's I just also, because of the time. Well, I feel the same way about the Black Album. I feel like if they were to, like if it were a totally different band, Black Album never existed. A band comes in, records, writes the Black Album, produces it, sends it out. It will be as strong as, if not stronger, than it was when it came out in 1991. 16 million Metallica fans can't all be wrong. That's true, Steven. And neither can the, like, 2 or 3 million that ball fucking kill them all. It only <laughs> takes one person to start an army. Alright, so, let's wrap up this topic here. Alright, general consensus, Metallica Bill. is the shit. Alright, general consensus. Bill, let's hear your personal favorite. Metallica's best work, unbiased view, as well as their last decent effort. Last decent effort, Black Album. Okay. Favorite album, Injustice for All. Mm-hmm. Greatest album, Injustice for All. Connor. Alright, uh, favorite album, it's probably a tie between Kill 'em All and Master of You Bobbits. gotta pick one. What? Just pick it. Oh, Flip a coin if you have to, you gotta settle. Can't be having this wishy-washy attitude. That's tough, man, because I really like like which album you I like on? the raw style of Kill 'Em All, got, but the songs are better. I'm bro, you got five dollars a year, nineteen ninety one. You're buying. I'm not the biggest Metallica fan. I don't know. Dude. It's. I guess Kill 'Em All, mm. and then. Their best work. Their best work, Master of Puppets. Last I don't, yeah, effort. that's... All right, last decent effort, load and reload. That's uh, the last time that... Not that they were the original Metallica, for many reasons, but that was the last time they were still, like... Metallica. Still, like, a new band that was, like, people were kind of, like, chiming into, and and, and they even... Load and Reload even created the situation where they at least went in, fans went into St. Anger with that attitude and then were gravely disappointed. Exactly. You know. All right, Steve, what do you think? Personal favorite is Ride the Lightning. Stand by that. Even Uh, Escape? 
Yeah, I will. I mean, for the album's sake, absolutely. But I believe that was a filler track, and I would like some, you know, I would like some backstory on that song. What the hell happened there? Um, but yeah, Lars, pers- Lars Ryan, personal favorite is definitely Ride the Lightning. Just all the way through, it's a great album. Uh, their best work. If I'm going to introduce somebody to Metallica, I'll show them Master of Puppets. I think that's their best effort. And then yeah, I'm going to stick by it. Their last effort, their last decent bit of work that I trusted in being Metallica was Injustice for All. All right, so that wraps it up for that. Metallica is arguably one of the greatest bands of all time, and no one's going to ever and change arguably that. arguably not. <laughs> all right, now we're going to roll into our suggestions for this week. Steve, would you like to give your suggestion? Yeah, all right, so this is some albums. You know, obviously, I'm going to pick one here of uh, you know, definitely recommendations that not a lot of people know about. This is more so for fans if you're interested in Black Sabbath as well as Pantera. The name of the album is When the Kite String Pops. It was released in 1994. The band's Acid Bath. Uh, you can't miss it. The album cover is simply a cartoon version of uh, John Wayne Gacy. I mean, it's controversial, but it's cool as hell. That sounds and, uh, cool. Yeah, it's a good album. If you like Sabbath, if you like Pantera, I'm sure you'll dig this album. A lot of doom metal, thrash, heavy. The recording uh, quality is excellent. I mean, it came out in 94, too, but definitely, definitely went under the radar. Um, you can't even uh, get a Wikipedia page on these guys on Encyclopedia uh, Metal. So, um, yeah, definitely check that out. All right, Connor, what's your suggestion for this week? My suggestion for the week is a lost-ass album. The band that put out this album in 1994 is still together, still a pretty big band, and will not play any of the songs from it live. The album is One Hot Minute, and the band is the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Whoa. Um... This was the album after Red Hot Chili Peppers skyrocketed into the mainstream with John Frusciante leading the way on guitar with uh, penning, you know, all the classics on Blood Sugar with Under the Bridge, Breaking the Girl, yada, yada, yada. But then John left the band in 92, I think, 93. Um, I believe Anthony Kiedis got back on drugs in this time, as did John, separate from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And uh, One Hot Minute was a dark time for them. They got Dave Navarro from uh, Jane's Jane's Addiction and Reality TV fame to come in for John Frusciante. And uh, One Hot Minute's not bad. Like I I actually really enjoy listening to One Hot Minute certainly more than I think any of the newer uh, post-John for the second time around, like yeah, with yeah. with Josh Klinghoffer, the new guy. Um, nothing against him. The guitar work is fine. I like it even, but um, it's it's you know, old bands just get to a point where they're not as good as they once were, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers are at least starting to get there. Probably, there's I, I don't want I I like those albums, but it's just I don't know. It's not the same band, and I don't like the new band quite as much. That's all I'll say. But back to One Hot Minute. There's some really actually good songs on here, like uh, the the lead single's "Aeroplane," which is one of the best Red Hot Chili Peppers songs in my yeah. book. Um, the ballad "My Friends" is great. That's you know, it's really surprising to me that they don't play that anymore because that was a pretty big hit. So it was "Aeroplane." Aeroplane. Yeah. Um, it was also produced by Rick Rubin. Ah, uh, he did all their stuff. Kurt Cobain tribute "Tear Jerkers" on there. Yeah. Kurt Cobain and the Chili Peppers were you know good, good friends. Flea had done trumpet on smells like teen spirit and at a show in brazil <laughs> i think with them um truthfully fashion yeah 
that's my pick for the week. Red Hot Chili Peppers, one minute, one hot minute. All right. My uh, suggestion for all you guys out there is look out for a band called Rest Repose and their self-titled album or EP, whatever's out now. Um, the lineup is rounded out by a bunch of YouTubers, including Jared Dines. You may know him from all the funny, you know, guitarists on drugs, uh, drummers on drugs videos. They're like post-hardcore, hard rock. It's a very good listen. I, that album's on my rotation on Spotify constantly. Um, I just think it's a really good album, and I suggest both of you should listen to it too, as I will listen to both of your recommendations. Correction, One Hot Minute is from 1995. I was waiting for you to do that. <laughs> Thank God. All right, now our collective suggestion to all of you is to check out the new Netflix movie, biopic, called The Dirt. Yeah, so this yeah, this is more of a suggestion, obviously. We don't want to limit this to just discussing obviously music uh in general. I mean to the sense of like artists and the songs they create. But yeah, you know, bio biographical type films, especially ones that aren't full on documentaries that actually, you know, use actors to represent these uh musicians and these bands and the way they came up. I mean, examples are like Bohemian Rhapsody that came out Straight out of Compton. Um, yeah, straight out of Compton. Excellent film. Um, as well as even Rocket Man coming out about Elton John. Rockstar. Yeah, well, Rockstar, I mean, you have to understand that wasn't so much like this is a it Motley was, Crew movie. Well, Rockstar was intended to be the movie about Tim Ripper Owens joining Judas Priest. Judas Priest. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You know, here's a guy in a cover band that obviously, but I'm saying they didn't specify to that idea. Just like yeah. obviously their backstory to say Almost Famous was, you know, loosely based around Led Zeppelin. That you thing know. you do is great. Yeah, that thing you do, that's another good one. Mm. Mm. But. Watched that in high school probably ten times. I think I watched it last week like ten times. It's <laughs> awesome. It's funny. But with this dirt thing, man. Um, the dirt is basically uh, yeah, brought out from the book. The dirt. Yeah. I mean, it's the life and it's just, trials yes, of I mean, Motley Crue. Yeah, exactly. It's the formation. Um, obviously, this is not something we're going to discuss at the moment. It's just a recommendation. Um, Connor, I believe you're the only one who's yet to see this. That's correct, because I'm also not much of a Motley Crue fan. Yeah, but Livewire's uh, fire, but that's about it in my book. I believe Livewire's featured in the movie a couple times. I'm sure it is. Of course it is. <laughs> And uh, for everybody out there who uh, was actually a part of the most, and is not familiar in this movie, uh, MGK, also known as Machine Gun Kelly. Plays um, Tommy Lee. Yeah, he plays Tommy Lee. Um, if everybody watches Game of Thrones, I don't have the actor's name in front of me, but the guy who plays Ramsey Bolton, who pretty much cuts off Theon Greyjoy's dick in the series, he also plays Mick Mars, which is pretty cool. Um, like I said, the actors were there, but just, uh, yeah, watch the movie. I mean, we'll discuss it at another point. I wasn't a huge fan. I'll just say that. And if you guys have any uh, questions or comments or, you know, possible topics for any more shows, uh, you can reach us at our Facebook.com slash R-A-T-M podcast, our SoundCloud, same thing, R-A-T-M podcast, or you can email us at podcast at gmail.com. You can also inquire for uh, William's address. He also takes uh, letters written in felt pen. We're going to start getting a bunch of mail for people thinking they're going to be reaching Rage Against the Machine. Everything's abbreviated. <laughs> R-A-T-M. <laughs> hey, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, we love Rage Against the Machine. And we can talk about them in future yeah, episodes. This is, this is a whole oh, of course. All right, everyone. Well, this is Bill. 
Connor. Steve. Thank you for checking out our first episode. Make sure you tune in next week for more topics you may or may not care about. This is Bill signing off. Have a good night. Later.